the questions are not necessarily certain things you don't have to ever address that in other situations you might have to. That's what I find very, very inspiring. The respect for the own craft and the respect for the stage so that you, you do your thing. If there's a lot of people there or if there's no one there or if the sound is great or if the sound is not great, you owe to yourself that you do it a certain way. And that's what I think is one of the things that I like that inspires me the most from 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 working working with with people who have that attitude. Today I'm talking to the Austrian singer-songwriter Chris Beer. Good morning, Chris. It's so great to meet you here on Zoom. Good morning. Nice to meet you. Pleasure, my pleasure. It's you've got such a lovely picture there behind you. Yes. That's a drawing by my daughter a couple of years ago. She's very skilled with choosing colors that make a warm atmosphere, I think. Yeah, it's That's amazing. It. <laughs> yeah, Lovely, perfect, the perfect background for, for the interview. Yeah. But Chris, tell me, uh, where you are based in Vienna? Yes, I'm based in Vienna with my family. Are you originally from Vienna? No, I'm from Graz, the second largest city in Austria, um, capital of Styria. Okay. And we moved here for the first time when I was about 22 or 23, I think. We love Vienna. <laughs> so was it music that brought you to Vienna? Um, well, music has always been a part of my life, so it didn't really have to do that much with what place you are in. But being in Vienna is definitely a good place when it comes to music in in all aspects, I think. But you say music has been part of your life. so. Um, was it already from a young age where you started playing instruments or uh, what was the yeah. first instrument you started playing? So it, as as in most cases, I have to give credit to my mother, uh, to my parents who made it possible for me to basically, when I was very young, I, I got to go to a, a piano teacher and, and get early music education, just dancing around and playing different percussive instruments. And she then became my cello teacher. And my mom would always take take us after school, and and uh, we get to go got to go to lessons, and I was in choir, and so she was the one who was very much behind that. My mm -hmm. my mother. And why the cello? I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure. But my sister also plays cello, and she's a professional cellist. I think I always had a preference for uh, instruments that have a very I don't know warm emotionally touching uh, frequency. <laughs> That's a good way to say it. I still feel yeah. the same way about the cello. But, but the reason why I, I didn't want to become a cellist in the classical scene is because I my understanding of music was different from the the setting uh, in, a, in a conservatory or in the classical education. So that was something I didn't enjoy that much. I always thought this sounds so great. This is so much fun. Why do we have to wear all these clothes and sit there and everyone's waiting for you to make a mistake? And then the ch children are, are nervous. And I didn't quite understand that already as a child. I didn't like that. So for me, it was just listening to the music and, and that was enough. So I didn't, <laughs> I didn't, uh, so I didn't understand that. I guess it's like sports when you, for me, sports was very similar. I liked playing football, but I didn't like it when it became very competitive very quickly and oh, yeah. certain only the best got to play. That's when 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 I realized I have a different uh, it has a different meaning for me than for some others here, basically. And I felt similar in, in with music. 
Yeah. And but now you did the classical training for a while. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. And then uh, when did you decide to do your own thing? Did you do it with the with the cello? Did you experiment with the cello? No, I did. I didn't. Well, I, I always. I I once uh, saw an interview with with Billy Joel, who was one of the people that I really like their songs. And he said that the reason why he became a good songwriter is because he he was never really good at learning exactly how to play a composition by someone else. Oh. You know, <laughs> and that's exactly what I do. So so I didn't find that much enjoyment in uh, re re repeating exactly what someone what someone else did didn't bring me that much joy. Even though I have to I have to say that I have a huge respect for anyone who is able to finish an, an education in the classical field and has that uh, that's a huge gift to be able to do that but i also think that it's difficult you, in order to do that you have to go through phases where you also don't like what you're doing and that's the part that i never where i never was able to to, to hold on so you have to go through that phase i think or at least all the people that i know that uh, that, that, that did that or do that had that in some way in their education because it's very competitive and it takes very long well, it's interesting that you say that because uh, just a few days ago, I spoke to a harpist who uh, had the classical harp training, but now plays jazz with yeah. the harp. And he had the same sort of, uh, you know, uh, thing about, yeah. he, knew, he knew, he knew that that he's not going to go the classical route. I think it ha it has to do with personality and maybe also, if I'm allowed to be a little bit critical, it's a little bit like in sports, music is like in sports. I think there's a reason why there's many third and fourth generation people in high positions, regardless of where in the classical music scene, because you have to know, having someone who knows the way it works, a system that has been, does evolve, but not that quickly, that doesn't change that much, can just simply give you advantages because then you don't have to figure, thing, figure out everything for yourself. Oh yeah. Mm. Like I think if you if you're just a smart person who when they're seven years old says I want to become a professional violinist, chances of that working out, regardless of how good you are, are not that big. I don't think because you have to be in the in the in the environment that it allows you to do that. I think, and then you have to obviously love it. My theory theory is that those people who are able to do that and then are not nervous and when they play and have perfect technical skills is because they learn it at such a young age that they never realized the whole the, the serious nature of it that's my my belief yeah yeah i i totally agree with you there i think it's definitely has something to do with that and and you talk about this relaxed playing you know that you don't have to be because i think that stress also yeah. takes away from from how you uh express yourself through the instrument yes but totally. now yeah, so you then, st what uh, instruments do you play now? So so after, the, I was always in choir then, so that's where I learned to harmonize and those things, and obviously sing from a very young age. I think when I was about six, I, I had a couple of months or maybe half a year where I would just sing everything. So I guess singing was something that I always liked to change my mood, <laughs> my own mood with. Mm -hmm. And then I played bass, uh, classical bass, for, I don't know, maybe a year. And after that, I just started writing songs and playing in, in, in bands. And then things took off from there. Kind of one thing led to the next ever since, basically. And you also write, you're also a songwriter. Yeah. So I'm primarily, my thing is that I write 
uh, songs and music and produce it. I didn't. I wasn't always able to produce everything myself, but that happened with time. So I would meet someone, and then I would learn from a pro how to do harmony vocals. She would make me aware, for example, if I if I can name drop someone who I like a lot, who basically reached. They realized that I loved what I was doing and I wanted to get better, and then they would see that fire, and they would basically give you a chance to learn firsthand, and that's the easiest way for me to learn. And so I would be in the studio with Kim Cooper from the Rounder Girls, and she would say to me, well, you always want to listen to the, the, the where the breathing is on the main vocal. And small things like that completely change then your recordings, because then you, in my opinion, it's very important to, to know those things. Mm-hmm. And then you practice it many times. And then, <clears throat> so for example, when I started recording my voice myself at home, I had so many more opportunities to get to know my voice. And so when I would go to the studio then and then someone, because sometimes when you're in an expensive studio, they make you feel like you don't know anything because they're the ones who have, and they have this on the wall and you still are the one who wants to get a result that you're happy with. So the more control you have, the more uh, you can make art that reflects what you want to reflect. So that's how I, that's how I landed where I am right now. Basically. Wow. And, and and I just read also recently um, that when you know yourself as an artist and you know what you're capable of, then you are able to uh, be more creative and produce yeah. more. And this is, uh, this is true what you're saying. So if you could understand your voice and what you're able to do, then it's, of course, then easier for you to, um, to express yourself. Yes. And that takes it, I have to be honest, it took me a long time. So many of my early recordings are when I was with playing in bands. I only had a I only had a different role and I would just always have a natural interest to find out more when I would see someone uh, who was very fascinated by one aspect of music that I wasn't specialized in, then I would automatically want to know why if you meet really? someone. So I, I I remember I went when I was in 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 primary school. I had a friend who loved to collect uh, insects that were dead, and he would put them onto a, <laughs> onto a board. And he would tell me about what the insects are like and what what they eat and what they don't. And I, and, and and I know that a lot of other people thought he was really strange, and I liked him a lot. And, not, and then the older I get, the more I realize I'm I'm exactly like him. It's just that I don't collect insects. But so basically, people in the music industry. I believe that there are many jobs that are not as difficult to to do within a society that doesn't understand what you're doing to a large extent. Mm. And people who then stick to it are the ones who are basically can't do something else, really. It's like they're calling. So it's like if you're a cow, then you have to live a life of a cow make the most out of being a cow but if you want if you want to then act act like you're a bird or a giraffe it's not going to happen you're not going to be happy basically if you're a cow trying to fly so yeah oh i love your analogies this is great but it's true <laughs> but it's really true and it's uh it's uh, uh me always interesting when i do these interviews i always get these batches where where it's always people well, they follow each other for some reason, but also uh, learning by doing. And this is what I uh, talked to the harpist, the jazz harpist. And he also said exactly the same thing, you know, learning from other musicians, uh, jamming together, getting these groups, Mm. these bands together and and how everybody learned from each other. So, but I see you are also involved in different bands. 
Um, yes, well, well, I try to learn and, and make new experiences. So I've always had a connection with world music, like kind of, kind of like started with Simon and Garfunkel, I guess. If you look back at Simon and Garfunkel and, and their early things, and also later in, in Paul Simon's career, he was always influenced by world music and would take every opportunity to work with world musicians. And so I grew up with his music. I remember driving in the car and then listening to that and going to Tanglewood and then listening to Yo-Yo Ma on the cello. And for me, like what I liked about, I like what I'm probably most specialized in is songs and voices and how how it works in within a within just the piece like i i see it very much like a like a theater piece a a, a song so I, I yeah and he inspired me by his openness to then take opportunities to mix music that was not very well known or didn't get a big platform and find a way to merge that into songs that people could connect to for probably a, a long time past his death probably i think mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's interesting a little bit i know that but um yeah but he did and and it's like you say bringing these sounds together and it's 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 still listened to and it's still memorable what he did so but you uh the the I see you have an African, is there an, a band with African music yes, yes. that you're so, on? Yes, so I perform with a band called the Itzitekili Band, where I'm the rhythm guitarist. Mm -hmm. And I've been doing that for three years now. But the music, one of the musicians from the band is is in many projects, and I met him when I was 20. He also works with with uh, classical musicians mixing Mozart and, and, and uh, Mbube music, a cappella music from uh, Zimbabwe. And so I met him when I was 20 in the studio, the, the vocal group, and I loved their music. And I saw them at many, at many events. I went to festivals with them. And so that's how that connection appeared, happened. And um, then at some point, we, we did a couple of, of recordings together. And that's how the band and uh, I got the opportunity to join the band. And uh, it's great because everyone in that band is basically been a professional in their minds with regards to their craft since they were very young. So, so it, they're just, the questions are not, as a certain things you don't have to ever address that in other situations you might have to. That's what I find very, very inspiring. The respect for the own craft and the respect for the stage so that you, you do your thing. If there's a lot of people there, or if there's no one there, or if the sound is great, or if the sound is not great, you owe to yourself that you do it a certain way. And that's what I think is one of the things that I like, that inspires me the most from, from, from working, working with, with people who have that attitude yeah. towards, towards what they do. Because they, they take it so seriously, but they also value themselves <laughs> that much. I don't know if that's that makes sense. Yeah, and, uh, and and also I assume in these bands, you know, everybody bounces off each other. So it, the these these different influences from each other makes this band thing what it is, or the music thing what yes. it is. Definitely, that the, the, the it's the mix that 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 you learn that it, that makes you learn so much. 
from from the other person. So, like for example, when you said that you had the, about the harpist who loves to improvise, so that means that what he is specialized in is going on stage and improvising. So he does it, does it so many times that for him that's natural. He's not he's not uh, nervous when he's doing it. That's what he's doing. Basically, that's what he's used to doing. So he's put in the ten thousand hours theory. So that's his thing, yeah. basically, right? So there, because there are so many aspects of what what you can get specialized in, and you can probably live 10 lives and still not do everything you wanted to do or become good at everything you want to become good at, that those mixture things can sometimes lead to things that you only realize years later how much it influenced you and how you um, express yourself creatively, mm. I think. Do you look back at your work and can you see how you evolved and can you see how these different influences um, changed your way of writing and way of making music yes i think very much so but i didn't for example when i so i went to their concerts his name is blessings no he's no um, and he's from a vocal group called insingisi and mm -hmm. i met them when i was 20 like i said and then i would listen to the records all the time and it reminded me of styrian songs that my uncle used to sing just with the vocal harmonies Obviously, the lyrics were different, but the, the use of voices and the harmonies is was just resonated with me. But I never realized how much I liked the melodic structure of these of these songs. Um, and then I would incorporate them in my songs, and I would get feedback. And I, but I wouldn't realize it at the time when I was then performing <clears throat> for several for several years. I performed as a live looping artist simply so I could perform by myself so that I could travel far and, and, and do it, I would use those elements because you have to build up a composition with repetitive elements. And so I would automatically then, because I had learned to harmonize things, use my voice to fill the, 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 the sound layerings. And then I realized a lot of that, I, I, I learned the, the, from, from listening to their recordings and going to the concerts and seeing how they do it, which is, which means that I still do it completely differently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because, but... they, because that when you listen to an a cappella, them, it sounds like one voice, and I don't, I, no choir sounds like that. It's very unique, in my opinion. But that you use your voice like that and reduce elements. And for example, on recordings, leave it pretty much dry and don't add all the effects that you hear on radio. Is very a very small percentage of recordings does that. Did that in the past, and now even less, I think. For example, yeah. So that's yeah. where I then see the the influences, and I find that very inspiring because it's you don't often find things that then sound like they really sound mm. uh, in 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 when it's packaged and put into mainstream formats. Yeah, I think. But do you sing mainly English or German? I sing mainly in English, mm. but I also some songs I also do in German, but not not that many. Mm. Yeah. How is it in in Austria for um for you as when your music is English? Do you find it easier, or do you think in when you're in German speaking countries you have to sing in German? Well, if you want to get onto the formats that are that are being promoted, then you have to sing German, and they say that. For example, they will have a pop playlist, and they will they will have pop stars, international ones, and then they will only have. German-speaking Austrian and German ones. So anyone who, who sings in English and is based in Austria and Germany right now, that wasn't like this 10 years ago, but now they would decide, yeah, we like, we like it, but we only take songs that are in German. 
which is, I understand that was a trend beforehand. Everyone was singing in English. Then everyone thought it's only uh, authentic if it uh, is exact, if it reflects your culture. And then everyone started singing in dialect and wearing lederhosen. And uh, so <laughs> I think those things kind of come, come and go with trends. The reason why I'm mostly sang in English is because I really enjoyed being able to go to other countries where I couldn't speak their language, but you could also speak English. Yeah. What do I do there with 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 German language songs? Mm -hmm. uh, even in Germany, in the north, if I sing a Viennese uh, song, they don't understand it. So, so, okay. <laughs> which is true in 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 uh, Bavaria they do, but in uh, yeah. northern parts of Germany they. Don't have a hard yeah. time understanding that, and I like English as a language. I like French too, so it is, mm -hmm. yeah. So that's well, I basically. I I don't mind the later wasn't, but I also don't understand always the dialect when they sing in dialect. I like it too, but I, what I understand is that that for such a long time that was frowned upon. Like for example, Nino Nino Osvin is is a very well known Viennese uh, singer who sings in, in in that. When he was singing, I remember him when he was young. No one was doing it. He was the freak who was doing it. And now it's like, you're the idiot if you don't do it. Everyone was saying, <laughs> manager was saying, if you don't sing it, why are you singing in a different language? It, uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't quite understand why it has to be from one extreme to the other mm -hmm. and then switch like that. It's good to be proud of your culture, but isn't it also nice if you can communicate with people in the rest exactly. of the world? So is it, yeah. is it, uh, and, and if you can, and Austrians can speak English and mm -hmm. can speak other languages, why not uh, give that a platform as well? Like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I guess it always goes in waves, these things. Mm. But it is true, and it's also a language. Uh, you, you have to probably write also in the language where you can express what you want to say the the best. I, I don't Well, for, so my first language was English because my, my mother was American, and mm. uh, so... I always consumed a lot of the read and, and listened to a lot of music that was English and read in English and communicated in English a lot. Mm. But I like it in I like it in in German too. But mm. it's also not easy if you mix it because that's one of the things I don't quite understand about music. But I I've come to realize that I don't have to understand it. Is <laughs> <laughs> that the the the, uh, the 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 way it's easiest to package music and sell it is if you do one thing, you have one mood, and you're that guy. Basically, yeah. whether you're male or female, and what I don't understand about it is that no one's like that. <laughs> I yeah. don't think any person is always really, really uh, thoughtful and pensive and melancholic, or always really happy, or always in, in the mood for a party. Why shouldn't it be possible to have all of those elements that you have in a during a week in your art? Yeah. Because it's more difficult to package it is the answer, mm -hmm. and and you have to also be able to to live that. Then, so for example, if you have songs that are really sad and reach people on 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 that with that vibe, then you can't just do that for ten years and they know their records, and then suddenly you you come there and you're like, so everyone, let's have a happy party. <laughs> like you know, you have to you have to do what's what, yeah. the, what what the what the image that people have associated with what they get to see or get to experience. So yeah. you are so right. I haven't thought of that, but it's true. But look at all the the greats. I mean, the uh, Billy Joel and and you mentioned Billy Joel, but yeah. you know his music also changed and evolved. And I think most of the big singers and the big uh, 
well, the well-known singers, they they have done that in the past. But it's uh, I see what you mean because it is sort of this marketing strategy. Yes, and also, and also I think that maybe it's also a um, a mentality thing, mm-hmm. a little bit, so that that influences the decisions that people make who, who get to decide, the influences who get to decide who gets an opportunity to present their thing. I think that might have an influence on that too. That they, they would rather go with something that is similar where they already have built up structures and, and, and act that is very similar where they can place it and they know they don't have any risk. And only then when there's someone doing that on an international platform do they realize, ah, that works. Now we can give this person in Austria the chance too. Like, I don't think that Austria is the most innovative country when it comes to that, to be honest. In the pop music scene or world music scene. Because in Austria, the World Music Awards is something to look look into. There is room for improvement there, the awareness of of how big that spectrum is. If you look Mm -hmm. at the awards that they hand out, they toss everything that is folk, world, or jazz into one category. And for people who are actually interested in that field, that's like lumping five sports together and saying now we're going to judge who's the who's the best athlete skier ski jumper uh mm. i don't know mm. um doesn't make sense i don't think i think there's so much um so much to be found there that then having such a small lumping everything into one category and is is, is very um limiting mm. yeah yeah <laughs> true but you said that you had a you you did a single career and then you're also involved with bands. Do you still do that? Do you have these two uh, types of working that that you do? Yes. So so on the one hand, I have I have my project where I have my own band mm-hmm. that I'm that I'm building up now, where I used to perform with live looping, uh, doing it all myself and kind of building it up so I can incorporate a band and work with 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 the musicians that enhance the project and uh are great musicians yeah and that's where i do most of the most of the productions so that's where my creative my creative outlet on the composition side is that and then i do that with for example the 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 next song i'm releasing is a is um a song that i wrote um two days before my own wedding and it's kind of a little bit jazz influenced one could say or at least it's not uh that's what people say who are not in the jazz scene or people who or people who play jazz music that is that that reaches more people than most jazz does. I don't know how else to phrase it. And uh, for that, I, I was I was able to to uh, I, I work as a songwriter for an Italian singer, and I wrote some songs, some lyrics for her, and then I I um, I asked her if she'd be interested to sing onto the song, and so now I have an Italian version of that song coming out on the eighth of September, and she's great I'm in nice. Italian. It's called Il Sole in Me. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I'm excited about. So on the production side, I don't really know where where things are going. I just do it compulsively, and um, yeah, sometimes I ask myself why I do it. <laughs> <laughs> but you produce yeah. these you produce these recordings things yourself. You have your own recording studio. No, but what I not not every single element on every recording. So for example, if I want to have uh, professionally recorded drums at the level that highest level then if i think that someone else is better at it i will let them do it and then i will edit it 
But mm-hmm. what I mean by producing it is that I fix the arrangement and then the last the last touches before I send it to get to, to get mastered or mixed. Sometimes I I let someone mix it. Yeah, it's always um, it, it, I always have the have the last um, yeah the last influence on that because oh, okay. that because I think that a movie that is great but it is too long is not a great movie even yeah. if it is great beforehand and it's the same with songs or a concert it's always better to have the song be too short than too long and it's always better mm-hmm. to play one song too few than one too many so those things are really important to me when it comes to arrangement I, mm-hmm. I, I don't like giving that into someone else's hands not because I don't think they could do a great job but because I think that they don't care about it as much as I do okay <laughs> yeah no, but it's your intuition then that you that you apply. Yes, or also because you you are the one making all the experiences. Oh yeah. So you're the one who's playing in front of people, and then someone else is sitting there in a high high paid job at a label, and they're listening to ten different musics, and they don't have the same passionate feedback that you do. So they might have more experience. You should listen to them. But if you're in a contract, and then they decide, I've, I've experienced that. And then they are convinced because they might they might also have other motives to make their choices that they're not honest about <laughs> because um, they have other factors influencing it. And then you have something that works and someone else deciding what you're going to do. And that people feel that if then yeah. suddenly they, they see it live the way it is and they love it. And then suddenly it's completely different and there's uh, things to make it more marketable to market it better. Then people feel that because they can tell whether whether that is really the whether that is honest or honest to oneself or not. I think people have a people underestimate the love that people have and their, their own judgment to what they like and what they don't like. People choose that themselves. They don't just follow as much as some people would like to think. Who are good at marketing and numbers? Yeah, Sorry. I totally agree with you there. I. I think it's also, um, I think it's great when artists take that control. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if it's great for everyone, but if if, if it's something that I, I put a lot of work into this so that at some points in my life, and sometimes still, I think whether it's worth it, to be honest. So I'm not going to let someone else who doesn't care about it. That's what I mean with the caring about it that much. Yeah. Basically, mm-hmm. if they don't realize, they might not realize what what goes into it and how you get something to work. Uh, so it's, it's, those are things that you have to be aware of. I've, I've made that choice several times that I've thought already right, that person is acting like this and saying one thing and then their, their actions reflect that they don't really care about it that much. Then that's, then at that point I say, all right, it, <laughs> it, then it makes yeah. more sense for me not to, to, to take that opportunity because on the, in the long run, it's not going to be a better outcome. Because if, if you then start something works, but you don't love it, you can't do it for years. Or at least I'm not going to. I'm, yeah. I'm never going to let music become something, a job that I don't like doing. That's never going to happen. I, I would rather, I don't know, do any of the other jobs that have been not well paid <laughs> or, or well respected I've done in my life than to ruin something that I care about. And some people don't quite understand that, I think, in the creative field or in the in the people who, who get to decide in the creative field often are not the ones who have lived that life so they know what that is that you're doing yeah obviously you have to be you have to be specialized in different areas so someone can then be specialized in booking but if it's someone who has done that for seven years they're going to treat you differently 
than someone who just got into that company, got that got into that position, is used to having getting four thousand euros. Like the music critics, for example, who get three thousand five hundred euros per month, and then they think they can just write down whatever they think. They have yeah. they, they. I don't think anyone like that should be in that position. They mm -hmm. should be able to do that after playing seven years, touring, playing somewhere, and that, then do it. Then you get to write and tell people what you think is good and what isn't and get to these other people who've been putting six months into, into recording. But if you're just used to telling people what you think is great and you got into a high position because you move people or also because your writing is good, but you don't know what's behind it, you shouldn't be in that position mm -hmm. because it's, it, yeah. It's a very, it, it's an you're a gatekeeper in a field that you don't understand enough about to to be able to write someone down like that that I've experienced. Mm -hmm. So that yeah, it, it's true, and and I think the audiences are uh, more in tune than people give them credit. Credit, you know, than they they understand and they feel. It's like you say, when it comes from you with that energy, then. The audience feels it. I well, I think that the people can tell that with it doesn't really matter what you're doing. Then coming back to the guys doing stamps, whether it's photography or painting or whatever, if if you're doing that out of a deep need to do that because you have to express your emotions from whatever you felt or went through in your life, mm -hmm. then people can realize that because it has a mm -hmm. it has an energy and and that's what we are basically we are Absolutely. energy so so that's why i think that not everyone can be sensitive to every area and every every aspect of it and so those people who are very sensitive in a certain area obviously are going to react and have different priorities than people who don't notice it so much mm -hmm. like if you're if you're an extremely auditive person and it's loud in a room then you're not going to be able to act or experience that in the same way that someone who doesn't feel it, like with all its advantages yeah. and disadvantages. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Yeah. No, this is yeah very interesting that you say that, but I mean we don't always realize that, you know. But you as artists, you you understand that because you, like you say, you've been there, you've done the hours, so you know yes. what it's all about. Yes. So. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I don't want to. People who 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 built up as a as a booker, a festival, any area in the in the music, in the music field, that you become specialized in, it's never a shortcut job. Those are yeah. all people who are passionate about something. Mm -hmm. I, I the reason why I said that is because I think that it it is a field where gatekeepers have a lot of influence, and I think sometimes that experience to understand. So even if you think that something isn't good. If it isn't your taste, if you then see that it's that they are doing it with passion and doing everything, it's just not what you like. You should show at least show the the respect towards that that you respect the work because because you would do it if it was a big client from America with a big budget. Then you wouldn't just you wouldn't be writing the same thing because it would have an influence on on your job. I think so. Mm -hmm. I've noticed. I feel that I have noticed differences there. If you realize that, you see. It's one thing to be critical in a fair way and to say, because that's actually what an artist, what you're looking for is honest improvements. You want that. But what you don't want to have is someone basically dissing you on a personal level or or, or that's just, you, you, can't, yeah. you can't do that. I, it just means that you don't understand exactly what influence you have, I think. 
Yeah, and and it is true that everything is not for everybody, but at least if you understand the process, then you can respect that. You know, yes. even if you don't like it, but you can respect it. And this comes back to what what I believe is that if children are taught art in school, and it's if it's made compulsory and taught alongside science and maths, we will get a society where people understand what. Yeah. It is, you know, what what it's all about. Because like you say, it's not an instant thing. There's nobody, not anybody that I've spoken to, you know, just suddenly picked up a brush or a, started playing the piano and within two or three years they, they are where they are. You know, these stories are all stories of people who, who've come a long way, who yes. had many disappointments and and, you know, really had to persevere. And then get to where they are today and then still not uh, you know it's still evolving and I'm, I'm sure with your work as well it will still evolve as you go on so a, a positive feedback would be much more beneficial than than just yeah criticizing for the sake of criticizing definitely i think i actually think that that's one of the most valuable things things you can find is someone who is honest and 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 gives you both that's what you want it doesn't matter who you are like i work as a teacher as well so one of the things that is most important to me then is because i studied psychology no one no child wants to play a game if they lose 20 times in a row yeah we're we're grown-up children that's all you need to know so do you want to be the person who is, <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know what I mean? Even if you think it's not good, find a way to say it in a way that that's not my type of music, but the people who were there who enjoyed it seem to really like it. It's enough, yeah? yeah. You didn't lose, you didn't, nothing fell out of your crown if you did that, you know? Nothing. <laughs> you know, just minimum amount of the, that person could be your child, you know? It's just, that's yeah. that's enough. That's enough. Yeah. I think that respects. It, it should be there, even if it's it's important to be a critic who points at everything and be the one who's the most I don't know, edgy and you still there's that a minimum level of that should be there. Right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but I, no. That, yeah. Sorry. What were you gonna say? No, 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 no. But but Chris, now um, what what are the uh, this sounds very cliche, but what is what is the wish? What what are you looking for, and what what are you hoping for in your career? In my career, yeah. Um, just to be able to, as in what what my what my dream would be. Mm. Just um, more consistent, more consistent, uh, more more freedom to do consistently what I naturally do, basically. Yeah, that's it. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you will want to keep on song, uh, uh, writing songs and do music and collaborate. We're producing and collaborating. And whether that becomes more successful or less successful in the eyes of others doesn't matter that much to me. As, as uh, The difference it would make if I have more budgets would just be that I could have more influence and find more people who are like me. That's the biggest influence. It would the biggest difference. It would be because, mm -hmm. but it. I don't. When you feel that it, you have to have certain things, 
I don't know who said this, but in, in the field of being someone who is self-employed or creative, your goals have to be in your mind. That's what a lot of people don't understand who who who, who um, work on the financial part of things or, or who, who want to make quarterly profits as fast as possible. What they don't understand is that that's not that the people who are compassionate and who can do this for many, many years with all the obstacles that are there, if you look at those, they're not doing it thinking like that. That's not the way you can do it. That's not the way you can do it. I don't think. Yeah. You're not thinking along quarterly, quarterly profits. You're thinking along the lines of this is this is who I am. This is what I'm what I'm here to do, and I get to then meet people and influence people and give them something for what they give me and exchange it. And that's something that is not just that is something that the process is more important than the goal. Mm-hmm. than a precise goal and so so if if you think many times and, and and this is something i'm working on myself right now very intensively that i'm that i'm struggling with to be honest when is it that you're happy so you so, so if you if you manage to sell out concert house then you're like whoa i did this right mm-hmm. and then next year there's 100 people less then you're a loser that's basically how <laughs> that's yeah. basically how how our society works. If you if you think mm-hmm. about it, economics works the way that you always have to have more. But that's not how how we work as yeah. as humans. We're not we're not we don't get better every year. You're not uh, eighty times better when you're eighty <laughs> than you yeah. are when you're forty. That's not natural. So the expectation is the difficult part of the job. That's one of the things um, we talked about in the beginning that comes back. I think that's what's difficult. So. If you're if you're a novelist and you write novels and then your neighbor gets up and goes to the factory at eight or he goes to the bank and he sees you are up until five in the morning and then you get up at, at eleven or twelve or one in your bathrobe and he thinks that guy's drinking champagne all all day and and living the easy life they don't understand the aspects of what's behind and that that's actually his free time you, you, you understand what I mean yeah, yeah that's what makes you a freak naturally you're you're obvious you're already an outsider simply by doing that compared to most people in 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 the in in the society mm. simply by being choosing that life and everything that has to go with it you have become someone who most people don't understand why how it works that you actually do what you do and become who you are yeah and i also read that many of the the um, Oscar award winners, uh, they also, you know, went to that point where if I can only win this Oscar and then after they've won it, they actually go into a depression because then yes. that that award doesn't mean anything anymore, but it's the work, you know, it's yes. the, the process. Yes. That they, yeah. So I'm so not worried true. about that. Those things I'm not worried about. Mm. Right now, I'm worried about finding a a place where I can move my studio because I have to leave in December. So that's yeah. more that's more what I'm thinking of. I always have to think of Jim Carrey, who they they said something. And now, four time Golden Globe winner Jim Carrey, and then he comes out <laughs> and he says, "I'm just not anyone. I'm four time award winner Jim Carrey." Yeah. <laughs> so he was what he was basically saying is, "I'm happy now because I won four times in a row." Yeah, he that was his way of saying that. Uh, 
it's ridiculous. You know, yeah. you're, you're you're always just the same person. Whether you're you're the same person, whether you're a mm-hmm. bank manager or whoever you are, you went to kindergarten mm-hmm. with people, and by the by the time you're eighty or ninety, you're gonna be very similar <laughs> in a very similar <laughs> situation as you were when you were standing there with the other kids in kindergarten, regardless of what, what how many people take a picture of you or listen or whatever. Yeah. Whether you're the most important person in a bank or you become a political leader, that's that's mm-hmm. just the way life is. And so you might want to think about that mm-hmm. uh, um, and be aware of that, which is not easy, I don't think, if you become really famous very young. Yeah. An, an, that's why a lot of people go on to television shows where they're mm-hmm. young end up having phases in their life where they have psychological problems. I think because mm-hmm. it's just not too much. Yeah, they they go they don't go through the phases where there's slow changes and they adjust and they make experiences and they realize things. If it goes so fast, then it's just not natural and you're mm-hmm. bound to like not be aware of what what parts you are playing what parts other people are playing and what who you can trust who you are so those things I think are quite sad actually that's why Mm -hmm. I think it's quite good if you focus on the journey and what you really want to do that makes you happy because then those things are not are not that important and don't they make don't make that big of a difference Mm -hmm. because they might act like the way it's presented in the media, there might be a big difference between someone who's really famous and someone who isn't. But at the end, for them, they are very similar to the same person who's sitting in the jazz pub playing in front of 40 people. Mm. More similar than one would think. Well, Chris, you've, you've just made my day because now I'm very happy that I'm so average. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. It's, it's, it's great to be average. Yeah. Actually, that's, one, that's a good idea for a song. Yeah. The, the average the average is actually my last song that I released was called Ordinary Guy that was kind of a little bit about that where the lyrics oh, okay. goes the lyrics go something like I, I, um, I'm not the king of a castle no leader of no tribe no James Bond in the movie mm-hmm. I never jumped out of the sky I sure am Cristiano Ronaldo Haaland or Mbappé I'm smart enough to realize you're out of my league but I'm dumb enough to give it a try anyway <laughs> I think, or maybe maybe middle mass was the right. Or maybe um, average is is something that is going to be uh, more more popular or more um, respected now. At the age yeah. of everyone being a star, maybe now one realizes that it's quite good to have an, uh, someone who's skilled uh, and might only be average in that field maybe that person is still more qualified than asking a star in some someone who is specialized yeah. in revered in any field. In, in, for, for example, I have to think of the German uh, football coach who, who got asked 20 times in a row, so what do you think about this and that about Corona? And then at some point he got fed up and he said, I'm a football coach. I don't know anything about Corona. Go <laughs> ask someone else. <laughs> so I think it, that would be the situation where maybe if you want to know about Corona, go to the average person who is specialized yeah. in that, a doctor. <laughs> We will be able to tell you something that a football coach or a, I don't know a, a yeah. opera singer won't be able to tell you. <laughs> exactly, yeah. But yeah, you write that song and let me know. I want to. No, hear that song it. is already out. It's called Ordinary oh, Guy. Oh, is it? Yes. Oh, yes okay. Yes. Yeah. I'm going, <laughs> I'm going to put it on my playlist. I want. I like it. Please, I'd appreciate it. <laughs> but Chris, um, this was so great to talk to you. 
Thank you very much. I appreciate yeah. it. I, I would love to, you will have to let me know when you have another when you have a concert or a um a gig or something. I would love to come. Yes, I play on on the fifteenth of September at Friedel Gospel. That's about thirty minutes from Vienna, and oh, on okay. and on Friday I play in Bavaria in Fiestab. It's called uh, Schnitzmühle. That's one of the next okay. few shows. But um, yeah, so yeah. Um, but uh, listen, this was really so great and all the best, and and I hope that your wish comes true and that you find a, st a studio that you're looking. Yes. For. Yeah. That's on me <laughs> too. Yeah, and keep being creative and writing. You too. Thank you very much for this okay. opportunity. I hope to connect It's a great too. pleasure. <laughs> Take care. Okay, Chris. Bye. Bye. Bye.